You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So our podcast is called Right and Wrong. Are these your notes? These these your notes about what we're going to say? Anything is a short answer. (laughs) So how many novels did you not finish? Oh my God, so many. (laughs) It was perfect. What are you talking about? This is nonsense. Ooh, a spicy question. I love it. (laughs) This is it, guys. The big secret to getting published is you have to write a good book. (laughs) You heard it here first. We're going (laughs) to... Hello and welcome back to the Right and Wrong podcast. Today I'm joined by the final nominee for this year's RNA Agent of the Year Award, someone who has worked across every angle of publishing before setting up her own literary agency. It's Kate Nash. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to have you. And let's, uh, first of all, congratulations on your nomination for Agent of the Year with the Romantic Novelists Association. Yeah, thanks. Thanks very much. It was a huge honour to be nominated. Um, and, you know, a, a great party uh, and, and a really good opportunity to kind of champion romantic fiction. So, um, you know, it, it, it was a great night. Yeah. Uh, is, and is it the RNA? Is it a group that you've done a lot of work with previously? Um, well, I first got involved in publishing through being an author. Um, yeah. So I think I joined the Romantic Novelist Association as an aspiring author. Oh, wow. I was um, trying to write a romance for Mills and Boone, um, which didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but I, I did, um, you know, discover there was this fantastic community of other, um, as both aspiring authors um, through the Romantic Novelist New Writer Scheme, uh, which I was a member of. This is, we're going back now all 20 years. Uh, and then, uh, you know, successful authors who are willing to kind of give their time and help and expertise to help you know potential newbies on on the track so you know without that I don't think uh, you know my sort of uh, you know things just just wouldn't have developed as as they had um and you know I ended up um I did get those books published they weren't romantic enough for Mills and Boone um but um, they were published by a couple of independent publishers um back in the day oh amazing that's that's so nice that your sort of very first experience in publishing was was sort of with the RNA, and now it's come full circle, and they're nominating you for what is now, I think, a very prestigious uh, award. Yeah, exactly, and I'm I'm sort of thrilled that you know just to have sort of seen seen the evolution of the RNA from um, you know a, a very supportive sort of focused writers organisation to to really I think they now have over a thousand. Um, author members so they've yeah, really grown and have kind of you know just a lot more um you know just out there in, in the kind of wider publishing world and championing romantic fiction which sadly sadly still needs to be done yes it does even though it's uh 
if you're looking at sales figures, it's absolutely smashing it up with other genres. So it's bizarre that, that everyone still sees it as, as looks down upon it, I think. Yeah, I mean, Wardstones are now stocking romantic fiction, although they've renamed it uh, TikTok Made Me Buy This or whatever they're calling it. But I'm still hopeful that um, you know we will get to a world where uh, we have romance sections back in bookshops, which, as I say, if we go back 20 years, um, I used to love going to Wallstones in Piccadilly. They had a, a big section um, in, uh, you know, on the first floor, uh, you know, a bit like now you go in and you can kind of, you know, you love science fiction and fantasy or crime or something, you can go in and there's a real sort of dedicated depth section. They used to be that for romantic fiction uh, in these bigger bookshops. We used to have borders stocking it and, and that kind of all went at some point um, and kind of hasn't hasn't come back. So we're very dependent on supermarkets. Um, yes. On the, on the retailers and, you know, romance really should be sort of in high street bookshops, you know right at the right at the start uh, uh wh smith has got a romance section uh but uh you know warstones has has yet to do that yeah well fingers crossed that that they they sort of start creating more of these sections open up the uh the industry a little bit now i did mention at the start you have you you have a sort of very wide experience of publishing as you said you you first kind of got into it as an aspiring author um, but also you've worked with publishers as a publicist and a marketer where, I mean, other than the aspiring author, where did you first get your start, um, sort of in the professional parts of this industry? Um, well, exactly. I was an aspiring author. And I think when I got my first, uh, my first book deal, I, um, it was a publisher called Robert Hale, whose head offices were in Clerkenwell and I was working, um, elsewhere but not very far away in London and kind of didn't want to spend sort of 15 pounds or whatever it was then to kind of post this big manuscript to them I thought well I'll just you know go in in my lunch break and drop it in at reception um and what was really noticeable I think from the point of view of being an all I mean I was working um in market research and marketing um and I all sorts of um, I was in FMCG at the time so it was all sorts of things from like frozen pies to cakes and uh uh all sorts of things you get in supermarkets and um yeah, I just didn't, there was a sort of disconnect really between the publisher and the author. The author sort of handed their manuscript in and then, you know, you did your edits with your editor, uh, that was fine, but you didn't really, I think I asked them what marketing they were doing for the book and they sent me some posters so I could sort of do do a signing at my local bookshop. Um, and really that was about it. I mean, this is the days before eBooks and things. So, yeah. you know, we didn't have that side of it, uh, but I just couldn't really understand where, why the publisher wasn't marketing what was essentially a product um, since all the marketing I was involved in, everything is being marketed left, right and centre. So um, I think that's how I got interested. Um, and then, you know, the book didn't, didn't, you know, so I think it sort of sold okay. But um, my second book did better because I was a bit more cute. And I thought, well, obviously the publisher's not really doing marketing, so I'm going to do do something. So I kind of made sure I sold out my print run and my second print run uh, by, you know, going around doing lots of events and things like that. Uh, but I, yeah, I just, so I got, when I left, um, I suppose I left the kind of, P-A-Y-E and I really wanted to set up my own business and I ended up setting up a business with a friend uh, doing um, uh, public relations and we kind of just because I was involved in books I think I got 
an opportunity to work with, um, I think it was Essex Book Festival, um, an author there. That led on to something else. I did some work for a business book publisher. Um, and then I that led to um, some more work. And then somebody was ill. And I ended up running the Young Minds Book Awards, which is um, a, a book awards uh, around uh, young people and mental health. Uh, so that was that was quite that was quite a big deal because it was a big sort of um, a list celebrities. We had to shut Philip Pullman in a room, I remember, because um, his his film The Golden Compass was out then, and he didn't really want the journalists to be asking him about uh, uh, you yeah. know film when he was there to promote mental health and young people. So uh, you know that, it, but it, as I say, somebody literally was on guard um, in in the dressing room at the theatre. Uh, you know, so that was that was quite a big one, and then uh, it's just one thing leads to another. There's not that many people doing book publicity, so once you get a few gigs, you tend to then, um, you know, go on go on from there. Uh, so that's sort of really how I got involved, and I just thought it was, you know, publishing was really interesting. Obviously, I love novels because I've been reading them all my life. I've been writing them nearly all my life, um, and I realised that being an agent really was probably the best job in the world. So <laughs> after we had the <laughs> Uh, was it 2008 uh there was a bit of a bit of a downturn in the economy um as a as a we had quite a few um public relations clients who didn't want to spend the same money they were spending last year they were like well we're gonna have to you know cut this cut that so I wasn't looking at a particularly healthy um sort of income at that point so we actually decided to wind that business up and I thought oh I might as well just go for it and launch as a literary agent I mean nobody's going to give me a job at that point um so (laughs) I know you've interviewed other other agents um Claire Coombs who was who's um also been nominated for um by the Romantic Novelists Association this year I mean a a bit like that you know you're coming into this late um you can't go in at the bottom and make the tea for people you've got to kind of make your own way so I just I just sort of went for it and you know set up a business hope for the best. <laughs> well, well, it seems to have worked out. And now you're, you know, the, the agency is over, over 10 years old now. Uh, yeah, I think we're up to, yeah, I, I had my 10th anniversary party. I think just got that in just before COVID actually. So we'll, we'll be up to oh, sort great. Of 14, 14 <laughs> years this year. So it feels, um, it does, it feels like a long time. And yet, um, it, you know, you feel like uh, you can still feel like a newbie. Uh, yeah. there's always yeah. new things and yeah but it, it's one of those industries where it's just always evolving and there's always something new and you need to adapt and grow i mean I, the the industry is still trying to catch up with tiktok and book talk and all of that so i feel like it's one of those things that will always feel new because there will always be a new thing uh yes absolutely and we've and you know and and sort of as i say even just in in selling rights uh, you know things that we were doing a few years ago um you know just 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 coming coming back and um you know audio audio continues to grow so that's been a big focus for us weirdly in the in the last year i think um spotify has just now launched um audio books so you know that this isn't going to dampen down anytime soon um and and we have kind of policies at our agency like we want to make sure that every author every book is audio book um so and, and we'll kind of do whatever it takes to make that happen yeah yeah no, no definitely audiobooks are absolutely massive now so um 14 years old presumably when you started the agency it was just you uh maybe a, a small team it's quite you've you've got a kind of decent team around you now what are there other agents with you at the agency? Um, yep. So we've got uh, Justin Nash, uh, who, you know, we might be related. Um, who <laughs> is MD of the business, but also works um, as a primary agent um, uh, for uh, his, he's got his own author list. Um, and we've got, uh, at the moment, we've got, how many people have we got? I think we've got six, six people at the agency. So, um, and we've got, uh, you know, uh, assistants who are also growing their list at the moment. 
Oh, okay, okay, great. So let's talk about the the juicy bits, the submission package. You've got assistance, you've got, I know you have a, uh, at least one reader. Um, when a submission comes in, who gets to look at that first? Um, I think we're a bit different from some um, agencies. So some agencies ask writers to submit directly to the agent. Um, we actually have a centralised um, inbox uh, and, and really we're trying to make sure that everything is is read so you know to to some degree uh and so we've got we do have a freelance reader uh sophie um who'll be you know diving in um every week to to read submissions um we also have uh two assistants um in the business at the moment who are both looking at submissions every week um and then we have a kind of weekly meeting where uh you know the promising uh, crop from sort of that week's reading is brought forward uh, for the rest of us to to have a chat about and see what um, you know and see see what's promising. So um, it's normally very very clear when something comes in because uh, obviously we you know we we're a small team we know each other extremely well like who would be the right agent for that material that's that's yeah. not normally really needs much discussion. Um, so but it is just a case of kind of you know thinking what's what's commercial um, you know that. Do things need a lot of work? Uh, you know, who's going to be right for reading this and things like that. So we sort of have a weekly submissions meeting, um, and we, you know, tend to discuss about ten, might be about probably about hundred submissions a week coming in, and about ten of those will come forward to the weekly submissions meeting, which I think is about right. And and of that ten, you know, we're highly likely to be requesting full manuscripts from from most of those. Okay, cool. So it's very much a team effort and then you will come together to sort of share the things that you found and could have sign off and things like that. Uh, yes, exactly. Yes, yes. The submission package itself is a uh, cover letter, synopsis, and then the opening chapter, which is a little different from most agencies who will ask for the first three chapters. When you're When you're just getting the first chapter, do you put more weight, do you think, on the synopsis? Um, there's a reason we asked for the first chapter, which is all my fault, really. Um, it's because I'm tending to read a lot of submissions on my phone. And okay. it's, it's too difficult to to read sort of um, Word documents or certainly on my old phone. I haven't really tried the new one. Um, so I'll be when I'm reading submissions, you know, it would be quite often when I'm traveling uh, and it was just handy. So we do ask if that first chapter can just be pasted into an email so it can be kind of read on any device by anybody anywhere. Oh, gotcha. um, so sometimes that first chapter doesn't um, give you perhaps the information that you would need if you did have three chapters. So, um, but you know, if things are promising, then that obviously we'll, we'll request to see more. It's, and it's so easy with email. We're not in the kind of olden days of, um, I was talking about having to sort of post actual real printed out manuscripts. Yeah. <laughs> so we didn't do that anymore. It is the clip an email. So um, as I say, if, if we're sort of reading the first chapter, we're not really clear whether this is the first chapter or, or is it something that we're reading that really ought to be more of a prologue or perhaps the story isn't, doesn't seem like it's quite started yet from what we can tell from the rest of the uh, synopsis and um, covering letter then then obviously yeah we can request to, to read more uh, and we quite you know the, uh, you know we, we will do that we're not going to kind of just sort of cut something down unnecessarily but as I say it's purely for our kind of um, convenience to try and make sure that we are reading as many submissions throughout the week as possible yeah. and that we can kind of use our time um, you know like that okay okay so 
spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. What are you what are you looking for in the cover letter to really kind of draw you in? Um, well, I don't really look at the cover letter. Uh, okay. so <laughs> I, I don't really mind what people say in the cover letter. Um, so I really won't look at it. Uh, I'm just reading normally just to see what the voice is like and what the writing's like and if it's, yeah. if it's grabbing me. Um, so uh, I think the sort of quality of writing, um, you know, uh, is is kind of really important. And then if I like it, then I'll go and look at, at the cover letter and, and sort of see what the author's got to say uh, and then find out a bit more about, um, you know, what the book's about. Um but that's the way around that I'm doing it, which, okay. I, really, which I fully realise is not necessarily the same uh, as as other agents. Um, I've had these had these discussions before, uh, but I just think it's. Um, I suppose if I'm reading something and I'm just not grabbed by it, then it, yeah, I'm just probably I, I don't need then the extra information that's in the cover letter. So, but I think for writers, um, you know, the bad news is, is that all agents are different. Some are, mm-hmm. you know, some will be diving into the writing first, like me. Others will be diving into that cover letter first, and you know, um, wanting to, to um, you know, see that there's a good idea for a story there before going in to do some reading. Um, and everybody's just slightly different. There's, there's not a right or wrong, um, you know, way to do it. So kind of being aware of that, um, I think cover letters, you know, just just make them snappy. You know, they, they don't need to be sort of three pages long. They, they should just be a page and introduce yourself, um, say anything relevant like, I go to a writing group on a Tuesday because that's great. It means that we, we know you're engaged. Um, and then, you know, tell us a bit about the story uh, and then and then just get into it, I think. Yes. And and there's an even rarer uh, style of agent where they'll read the synopsis first. So you never know. And it's always, and this is why I always say to, to everyone listening, if you are planning on submitting, really do research, not just the agency or the genre, but the agent, the individual agent that you're you're looking to apply to. Um, yeah, I, I would say yes. Um, I, I say, unfortunately, our agency, um, and you're talking to me today, uh, you'd like to talk to somebody else on my team who is going to read the synopsis first. Um, so I think, unfortunately, it's, you know, as I say, if you've got a sort of agency like us, where we've got a central inbox, yeah. uh, let's get it right. But no, I absolutely, uh, you know, uh, there's only a couple of genres where I really want to engage with the synopsis, um, just to kind of see what's going on. And those would be things like psychological thrillers, because they're, they're very sort of difficult to, to sometimes get to grips with. Uh, just based on the story idea, you kind of need to see what the setup is. Uh, but, you know, most genres, I'm not reading the synopsis deliberately. If I request the manuscript, I will read the manuscript. I will not read the synopsis to kind of give myself too many spoilers so that I can, um, you know, I'm very uh, sort of firm believer in wanting to experience the story as a reader would in the first instance and judge okay. it, you know, whether it stands up, um, you know, in itself. Because I think I have just found over the years that synopsis don't always do manuscripts justice yes yeah I, I mean as a as a writer and, and you, you're a writer as well you'll know that it, i think it's very hard for creative people to water down a story which they're obviously very passionate about into 
these sort of dead lines of exactly what happens, you know, no, no fancy twirls or frills or anything. Yeah, like that. I, I, I mean, writers, I think, have got better at writing synopses because but there's all sorts of courses. We've got the Internet now. There's things online. You can kind of find out how to do it. So I should think the sort of standard synopses has probably gone up over the years. However, I, I just don't like spoilers. So, I mean, a yeah. crime, I, I mean, my um, my existing uh, authors will will tell you um, uh, I mean, romance is easy because, you know, it's got to be a happy ending at the end of yeah. romance. So, frankly, who needs a synopsis for that? Uh, it's it's just about the twists and the and the kind of romantic development. Um, crime, I don't want to know what's happening in this story. I just want to read it. So, um, even by existing authors, I will refuse to look at any synopses until I absolutely have to. Um, I much prefer, you know, if at all possible, to read, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, read, read, read the latest. Um, um, I've got the, I've got a brand new, Brand new crime novel from one of my authors, Faith Martin, just on my Kindle at the moment. I'm desperate to read it. Um, unfortunately, we've got an open day on Saturday. I hope she, if she's listening to this podcast, it's going to her. I'm taking a couple of weeks to read a novel. But um, yeah, I don't, I mean, I, I don't really want to know what it's about or anything. I just want to read it and enjoy it. Um, and yeah. then I can, you know, spoiler free. Yes. The journey is the destination. Mm-hmm. Um so we we've touched on a few uh, a few genres here, but you online on your website it does say you represent commercial commercial and fiction and non-fiction for adults so no children's do you do ya or or, or is that too young um i i don't personally know but um one of my colleagues uh saskia leach uh does represent ya so um uh, we're definitely open to YA at the agency okay and in terms of genres are you open to absolutely anything or do you have sort of it sounds like you lean towards romance and and crime but you did mention some sci-fi sort of stuff I think I am in a kind of very commercial mainstream space and I um I would say I am your you know um ITV BBC One sort of person I'm (laughs) aiming at a mass market audience here and that's what your book needs to be about so if you've written the new kind of peaky blinders or call the midwife or whatever in book form then equally i'm interested in those um obviously in books you know we do have genres um and, and i think you can distill that down to well i do a lot of romance and i do a lot of crime because uh, yeah. those things do fit into one of those although they're both very very broad genres you know quite honestly and, and encompass all sorts of things so i've got everything from kind of looking at the you know next year i've got um you know real sort of i've got fantastic debut coming up that's a real weepy it's it is a weepy and the author won't okay. really say it's a weepy through to kind of gangland you know drama which is um set in ireland which is uh, uh just 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 uh, I'm not even going to get into that but it is obviously not too far off sort of um and it's not it's not peaky blinders obviously because it's a bit more serious than that but um uh you know through to um oh, you know fantastic kind of you know wartime sagas and and family stories and uh, romantic comedies and and all sorts of things so um but i yeah i'm just your bbc one itv so if you think that your book is the sort of thing that is going to be you know primetime television then you know please send it to me um i am not you know your kind of radio four book of the week uh it's it's not uh you know i'm 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 in the mass market and that's that's my sort of taste and that's that's where i'm sitting okay okay good 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 so it is November 2022, am I right in thinking you are open to submissions? 
yes, we are at the moment. Uh, we are, we are, we do, we, we do tend to close occasionally. Um, so keep an eye on the website. It, it really, you know, it does just depend on the volume of submissions coming in. Yeah. Um, you know, whether, whether we're, we, we try and stay open, you know, as much as we can. Uh, yes. And are there specifically for, for you uh, as an agent, are there any genres or styles that you're really on the lookout to be adding to your list? Um, no, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just want a great, a great voice and a great story and something that I haven't heard before, which is, so it's a bit like clothes shopping. You kind of, you just think until I've gone around all the shops, I won't know what it is until I see it. Um, I think if you're, you know, when you're a newer agent, it's a lot easier actually, because you can think, well, I've got loads of sort of, you know, detective novels and things going on. I really could do with something a bit more, um, you know, this, that or the other, just to sort of balance your list. So you've got a nice variety of things going on. Um, And and obviously, you know, you've got your ears to the ground, you're talking to editors all the time, you're trying to figure out what's the next big trend. Um, But I think, you know, I'm in a very fortunate position of having a very full client list. And so I'm just looking for that absolutely great voice. Um, And it would be fantastic if it is something that you know, I've just not seen before, but even if it's something that I have seen before, great. Um, it's all about the character. It's all about the voice for me. Yeah. And at, at the, the agency, uh, is your client list the most full you're, you're sort of in that position of you have a very full client list. So you are looking for these gems. Um, the, the rest of the team, are they more kind of in the, in the growing their list phase? Um, yeah, so we're, we're exactly. So I think, um, and, and this is probably why it's enormously helpful that we have kind of team meetings because, um, you know, it might, you know, very, very talented submission might come forward. Um, but it might well be a writer who, who's writing something that's, you know, in the same space as one of my existing authors. So to have other team members who could then perhaps take a look at that, because as I say, otherwise I'd have to turn it down. We can't, when you're an agent, you can't have authors competing with each other on your list like you you have to represent that you know your author's best interest at all times you cannot be sitting there thinking oh I've got to kind of you know prioritize one of you know two authors that are very very similar uh you know I, I don't think any agent ever wants to be in that situation so um I think that's you know that that's where the sort of team approach can be can be really helpful um and you know when you just 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 you know you've got less authors that you're representing it just means you've got more space um, yes yeah of course well that's that that's really great that's great to know for everyone else well who's thinking about submitting but but is worried that they might uh submit to you and then you you might not have a space on your list for that but then you could potentially pass it to, to someone else on the team yes yeah and, and you know and that happens that happens quite a lot at, at, you know at, certainly at uh, my agency and at other agencies so uh you know no no sort of you know agent that sound of mind is wants to pass on you know um, very promising talent when they see it so yeah of course they are very very commonly will share with colleagues uh yeah so before we get to the final question um i always like it's always interesting with agents is, uh, and you mentioned that you obviously got your start in this industry by being an aspiring writer do you ever hope to get back to your own writing uh, I yeah I probably when I retire I'd like to do something yes um, but I think part of the thing um, with being a writer is headspace um, so I know when I was writing my novels I was writing them fairly constantly so I might be sitting there doing the ironing and I'm thinking about my novel and kind of you know playing out the scenes in my head that I'm going to go and write and and that kind of thing and I say I can't write when I'm an agent I haven't really written anything um, 
apart from the odds, you know, article and something like that. I call that my creative writing, go and write an article for somebody. Oh, okay. um, uh, it, because I haven't got the headspace because I'm always thinking about somebody else's uh, yeah. novel uh, and, you know, and kind of how how that's all working so I don't have the headspace to do it um but when I do have the headspace um yes you know um it would be something I would get back to yes and funny question would you if you did publish again would you publish under Kate Nash um no idea I only asked because there's another Kate Nash uh, that people might have heard of. Yeah, interestingly enough. So if you're trying to get hold of me, just put Kate Nash Literary Agent into Google and, you know, it's it's all there on the social yeah. media. Don't just Google Kate Nash. <laughs> we obviously do get occasional emails from people looking to book, you know, they put in Kate Nash Agent and they're looking to book Kate Nash for a gig or something. Um, and really interestingly, because um, it doesn't happen that often, but at the Frankfurt book, year, book Fair this year, I turn up at the hotel to check in um, and the lady behind reception is kind of looking at me and sort of saying, oh, Kate Nash, we've put you in the suite. And I was like, you what? Um, and she genuinely thought I was the pop star. Oh, I mean, well, I don't yeah. know why she still thought that when she was looking at me at reception. <laughs> um, but I, it was a very nice suite and a very excellent, you know, very nice hotel. So sort of thank you very much. I mean, they didn't take it away from me again. When they Amazing. That, so. Well, that worked out well for you, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it did, yeah. There's got to be some benefits of being confused. <laughs> Amazing. Well, that brings us on to the final question, which as always is, Kate, if you were stranded on a desert island with a single book, which book would you take? Um, I think this, this is, this is, this is, you know, very, very mean question. <laughs> yes. You know, books are not, not singular things. Um, I, this always, this always sounds, I think when you're listening to Desert Island Discs and people say, oh, I'd take the complete works of Shakespeare or something, you just think, oh, how boring is that? But you know what? I would actually take the Bible with me. Um, and okay. I'll tell you why. It's because I've never really read it cover to cover. And um, my old uh, English teacher for A-level once said, if you want to understand literature, you have to have read the Bible. And, you know, I know full well that I've gone in and I've read lots and lots of bits over the years and kind of, but I just think, you know, you would have all that time and it, it probably it's either going to be that or war and peace, you know, really have the time to kind of do it justice. Um, so I think I just would be, I'm afraid, um, you know, a bit boring and take the Bible with me and just force myself to kind of read it from the beginning, you know, right the way to the end. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. I've actually heard a similar thing before people have said to me, like religion aside, you know, however you feel about it, like it's a very interesting book to read cover to cover. And there's a lot of lessons and, and sort of interesting styles within it. Yeah, I think so. I think you've got, I mean, there's, there's obviously, you know, the bits that I have read you know, <laughs> um, uh, is, uh, you know, you've got sort of everything from sort of poetry, but I think it's yeah. probably just the obscurity, you know, it is, it is in different styles, there's different things going on. I think I just have, it would give me plenty of things to think about. Yes. Yeah. And obviously so ingrained in so much of modern mm. culture as well exactly and i'm sure i would sort of get to bits and i think oh i didn't even know that came from the bible you know just something that <laughs> absorbed in our culture that um you know uh you just you you weren't even aware exactly yeah 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 well thank you so much kate for for coming on the podcast and telling us all about your work and, and sharing your experiences and, and obviously congratulations again on um being nominated for the agent of the year award thank you very much it was great to be here 
And for anyone listening, if you want to keep up with what Kate is doing, you can follow her on socials at Kate Nash Agent. And as always, if you are looking to submit to Kate or anyone else at the agency, head over to the website katenashlit.co.uk and uh, make sure you read up on all of the submission guidelines before you fire off that email. To make sure you don't miss an episode of this podcast, follow us on Twitter at Right and Wrong UK or on Instagram and TikTok at Right and Wrong Podcast. Thanks again to Kate and thanks to everyone listening. We'll catch you in the next episode. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.